1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. Is this the tiger? This is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. The Lakers scored a season-high 141 points last night in their win over Chicago. LeBron led the Lakers with 25 points and 12 assists. Before the game, LeBron found out that he will be the first player in NBA history to appear in 20 All-Star games. We're about to find out how good the Clippers really are. The Clippers begin a seven-game Eastern road trip tonight in Toronto. The Clippers are 14 games over 500 and have the third-best record in the Western Conference. Congratulations to Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator the past three seasons. The Atlanta Falcons hired Morris as their new head coach. There are now six black head coaches in the NFL. Two openings are still on the board, Seattle and Magic Johnson's Washington Commanders. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. More news, opinions, and conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. You like your style, though? At KBLA Talk 1580, we are unapologetic about amplifying the voices of those who have historically been left out of the conversation. As we approach our third anniversary this summer, the problem with talk radio in Southern California, specifically, and America more broadly, is virtually unchanged. All day, all night, all white. We make no apologies for our prime audience, but true to the best of our tradition, we're committed to expanding justice and freedom for all. So when we receive messages from listeners like Neil, we just smile. I realize that I'm not your target demographic, but I love listening to your station as it is the only progressive station on the dial. That's us. Unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What is the it? The it is uh, whatever's on your mind, but also reparation. And you know, when we uh, were on uh, YouTube, KBLA uh, 1580, when we swap hours, we swap to a different um, chat. So this time I captured a few of the things that you said last hour so we could take a little bit of time to unpack them right now. Um, and I think, you know, really, I want to say that the goal of this conversation is for all of us to get a little smarter, uh, about what's going on, what, 
um, people are doing uh, to advance the cause of reparations, uh, what philosophies folks have, the different kinds of um, actions and organizations that you could get involved with, the arguments that you could be making when we have so many people who are naysayers in the space uh, regarding any kind of progress um, on reparations. Um, And I think um, that you play a role in that. 800-920-1580 is the number to call. Um, So I'm not really sure that I'm clear. um, Gregory Calloway's in here with a, a lot of all caps saying that we're broke as a group and the black ownership is an absolute myth. I, I don't know what that means. I, th- I feel like, uh, is that a critique of capitalism or is it um, the idea that when we own something, we're, we're, we're leveraged on it, meaning we owe a mortgage, we owe taxes, we, don't, we might not own the land that that business is on, or are you talking on some philosophical level? Because I'm a homeowner and although I still owe on my mortgage, um, there is definitely a difference between owning and renting. There are, you know, advantages that come with it. And I, I still feel like even though someone else said earlier in the chat, I, it might have been you, Gregory, I'm not sure, because um, I, I don't have that chat still open, that land was the currency of that time of, of 1865. And so it made more sense to deal in land then. And <sighs> Although I just played Rihanna, and I do think um, reparations should include monetary compensation, land is still the currency. I mean, land, you know, is it, money devalues quickly, especially in the economy that we're in right now, whereas land um, tends to, you know, retain its value, at least and in, in grow in value, and at least you, you have it. You can actually live on it. You can plant a thing on it. And, and um, so I, I still think land, especially the reclamation of land um, that has been seized through eminent domain, stolen, um, people have been pushed off of it, uh, is, is an important part of the process. That's why one of the reasons why I was so excited about the Bruce's Beach victory even though I hear people saying that because the Bruce family decided to sell that land back to the county, that means that it wasn't a victory after all. I don't, I don't see how that can be true because that family is, you know, $20 million richer than they were. They went from a regular struggling working class family to a family with a bunch of millionaires in it due to the activism of people like, um, of, of where is my land, uh, people like that, due to the activism of, you know, Kavon Ward and those folks, due to the the c- courage. And it's it's weird because we don't put courage and lawmakers together too often, but it, I think it was courageous on the part of uh, Supervisor Holly J. Mitchell, on the part of Supervisor Janice Hahn, Stephen Bradford, and others. So even if they don't retain that land, and we, we don't know what's happening in their lives, um, that... That is still a win. That's $20 million of generational wealth transferred to a family. And you can say, well, you know, they, that, that land would have gone up in price. They would have had even more wealth. You can say, well, they're going to squander it. Those are the same arguments that I hear about 
the overall concept of reparations that we will simply squander it, so therefore we don't deserve it. Well, I, I just don't think that's a good argument. If you owe me money, you have to pay it to me. You don't get to judge whether I am qualified to have what is mine. Um, and even if I squ- if if the Bruce family squanders that twenty million dollars, which it's spread out among different family members, so I doubt one person would squander it all. But even if they did, they got to have whatever experience that was of squandering the $20 million, which I assume would be kind of fun, um, that their ancestors worked for. So I think um, I think that's still a win, and, and we should see it as a win. And the the idea of land, money, actual assets, right, deliverables, is important. Yes, legislation is important and, and, and it transcends arguments over who should benefit, which is a plus, right? If we can abolish enslavement, for example, in our prison system, uh, forced labor and low or no wage work inside the prison industrial complex, number one, that takes, takes away incentives that some of these, um, carceral institutions have to keep people there so that they can have free labor. Number two, it benefits everyone, everyone black, regardless of where they're from, everyone BIPOC. I know some of y'all hate that term, people of color. Y'all don't like that one either, but it is what it is. And so there is a certain built-in fairness in the fact that when we change the laws of this country, and the practices and policies of this country that are um, unfair, racist, that support white supremacy, that helps everyone on the food chain. Uh, Didn't have time to get into this with Khalif Alexander, but I think it's particularly interesting that this movie, Origin, which is based on Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, is coming out right now. Not just because we are confronted with issues of race, caste, and hierarchy because of the tragedy of Gaza, uh, the rising hate crimes here, and the polarization of our nation because of the MAGA movement, but also at a time when reparations is picking up steam because... And, and I saw uh, Ava, du- Ava DuVernay last night uh, on MSNBC. And it was a great interview. Actually helped me understand some of what she was trying to do with the film. I saw it. And I feel like it does really personalize and make accessible important parts of our history, important concepts in history. But this tendency to try to minimize the impact of race um, on the oppression or stratification or um, discriminatory policies against black people is problematic in some ways. And I find it interesting. Watch, keep your eye on this. When people talk about caste, especially... um, people that aren't black. They get really happy because 
And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with being really happy about having a way out of racism, but it reminds me of the old sort of liberal lines, which are, we're all human, doesn't matter for black, white, green, or yellow. They always say green for some reason. Um, we're all human underneath, and we all bleed red, and, and that's true, and I'm not trying to mock that. Well, maybe I was, but I, I think it, it's, it, there's a trap in that, which is the same trap that we find in the so-called post-racial rhetoric, right? Because it's just not the truth of how our, our country functions. Um, it's the same or a similar to, you know, the we're, we're in a post-racial, we're colorblind. I don't see color. Ibram X. Kendi does a really great job in breaking down why that's a problematic statement. Because number one, you do see color. Okay, you do. Um, even if you're, you know, even if you're colorblind with your eyes, you see color as far as the stratification and privilege system of this country and really global white supremacy. Okay, there's that. And then the other problem with it is by saying it, you're in denial about the ways in which you are propagating, the ways in which you are continuing, bolstering, uh, and, and, and really entrenching racism, white supremacy, and what Isabel Wilkerson calls the caste system. She compares uh, racism in America to the treatment of the Dalit people, which were formerly known as untouchables in India, as well as the Jews in Nazi Germany. And the overlap in philosophy, policy, the fact that those Nazis studied the Jim Crow laws of America, not just the laws, the methodologies for uh, demeaning and dehumanizing another race, as well as taking away their rights. All of that, I think, is eye-opening, and, and people need to know it, and some folks have called it life-changing. But who was it? Somebody was talking to me about how, you know, maybe maybe it was Khalif <laughs> Alexander, talking about how when you look at a, you know, a country like Cuba, where they say they're post-racial, and they do not track any data pertaining to race. They say, you know, we had a revolution, we're all good now. But I think even, you know, although in many ways I'm a supporter of Cuba, I think that's BS. You do see race. And if you don't track it, then how do you know that progress is being made? Well, you don't. And I, you know, I haven't seen a black president in Cuba. I haven't seen high-ranking black officials there. Of course, I haven't been. Haven't walked around, but the top echelons, the ones we see on TV, are not black. So if you're saying you're post-racial, then prove it. Show me. I want to see the data. <laughs> and anytime we pivot into this sort of, we're all human, we all love each other, we all share the same struggles. I'm not saying it's not true. It is true, but that can become a way of um, star washing you know, starry-eyed washing, the reality of what's going on on the ground. And um, so where does that leave us? I think not giving, not necessarily, I definitely am recommending the movie. I think you should go see it. And if you have seen it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Dazzling Diamonds Dane Company says, 
lineage shouldn't be the only access to reparations, that Af- all African Americans should uh, receive reparations. Again, you know, um, I, I, challenging you, I don't know, Dazzling Diamonds, Dane Company, if you want to call in, 800-920-1580. But again, you, then you get back to the same consistent issue that people are struggling with, which is how do you define African Americans? Does it, if you came last week from Senegal, are you an African American? Well, you're not a citizen yet, presumably. Do you become an African American when you're a citizen? You're saying all black people in America, regardless of their citizenship status. Um, how far back do you have to go? These are the things that the California task force had to wrestle with. And as Khalif alluded to, and folks in, in the chat have alluded to also, this is a serious sticking point for folks. And that's why he called it um, a loss uh, for, for, you know, Pan-Africans or a race-based, um, um, you know, advocates. I called it a compromise. However you want to look at it, the conversation and the work that's been done in this area by the California task force is remarkable and important. And I think it would be really helpful if we can, whether it's a loss or a compromise, whatever it is, you know, tease that out so we can skip over having the same fights in every state. And again, at the uh, federal level, whatever that's going to be, whether it's going to be an executive order, the, the passage of H.R. 40, which would authorize a reparation study, or whether it's going to be um, <laughs> somebody, Biden, Trump, maybe, Kamala Harris. Why do y'all, why do y'all hate on Kamala so much? I, I know why, but I just, I think you don't know. I think you think you know, but you don't know why you're really, really doing it. But whatever. Whoever does it, um, President Gavin Newsom, President Nikki Haley, whoever does it, going straight to a deal, going straight to pushing uh, whatever you can by executive act, uh, executive action, executive order, and then pressuring the Congress into doing something, um, all of the above, all of the above, both and. State, city, county, federal, international, 809-20-1580. I'm Dominique DePrima for Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. At KBLA Talk 1580, we do black history every single day. In fact, as the only black talk radio station west of the Mississippi, we are black history. Our annual Black History Month luncheon is fast approaching, and we want to be sure to give you ample time to get your company, organization, church, or group to join us at this year's celebration on the last day of the month, Thursday, February 29th at noon. Last year, we honored iconic local black media personalities, including Pat Harvey, Jim Hill, Mark Brown, Beverly White, Sandy Banks, and Pat Prescott, and raised $20,000 in scholarships. This year, we're honoring Black Hollywood creatives who have used their artistic genius as climate justice champions. 
this year's luncheon, we will be showcasing and sharing their inspiring work on our big screen. Plus, a scrumptious meal, live music, great company, and lots of fun with your favorite KBLA Talk 1580 hosts. So contact us today at info at smileyaudiomedia.com or call 323-290-4690. That's info at smileyaudiomedia.com or call 323-290-4690. We hope to see you Thursday, February 29th as we close out Black History Month. At KBLA Talk 1580, we've got your black. Your black. else's family and home need a little winter pick-me-up? If so, you've got to go to Kohl's right now. I just saved big during their winter event. I got storage bins for just $15.99 that are so needed around the house. Then I got my kids new winter coats for 50% off and my husband some stylish boots for $29.99. Plus, because I earned Kohl's cash on it all, I can't wait to treat myself next time. Thank you, Kohl's. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. Offers valid through January 28th. See store or Kohl's.com for details. We're for Washington. We love Febreze's new scent. Refresh and energize. So much we made a song about it. Waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Yes, indeed, I do appreciate you. 809-20-1580, the number to call uh, wherever you might be. Crazy, um, crazy news. The UN court um, denied South Africa's request to order an immediate ceasefire uh, by uh, Israel in, in the Gaza uh, on Friday, they said that um, they said that Israel needs to do all it can to prevent death. <laughs> that sounds like exactly what Joe Biden said to Israel: try to try to tamp down those civilian deaths. And that's just something to say because you you know you can't do the kind of bombing campaign that's happening on Gaza and prevent civilian deaths. That's just, that's just silly. It's silly if you think about it, if you look at what's happening there. Um, but they said that, uh, they said that, you know, that's all they're going to say for now is just do your best not to kill everybody. Um, and they asked, they asked Israel to do all it can to pre- prevent death, destruction, and genocide. Well, it's a little late on the destruction and death part. Um, and South Africa had taken them all the way to the UN court saying that they were uh, accusing Israel of genocide um, and, and, and apartheid, which South Africa knows a thing or two about. But that panel of 17 judges, they didn't throw out the case. But uh, they ordered what they're calling provisional measures, which means a nothing. Because Israel already said, even if they were ordered to do a ceasefire, they would not comply. Do you think they're going to order, they're going to comply with something softer than a mandated ceasefire? If they've already said they won't listen to the UN top court, um, even if they were ordered to stand down? Um, yeah, so that that 
disappointing. Um, it doesn't take away, though, the awareness of the world that was raised by South Africa. And this is an interim decision because the final decision is going to take years to go through the court and that everybody could be dead by then. Um, South Africa asked uh, immediate military suspension of operations. They also asked Israel to take reasonable measures to prevent genocide, to allow more aid in. Um, the court agrees with that, but doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mandate a ceasefire. That's okay. So basically they, they voted that they believe in the Easter bunny pretty much. Um, the first person ever to be executed using nitrogen gas uh, lost their life on yesterday as the, the country looks at rebooting its means of killing people, executing people. It's something I'm against. Apparently, he um, was in struggling and, and um, trying to breathe for 22 minutes, struggling for his life, according to um, a pastor who witnessed that execution. Uh, this is in Atmore, Alabama. His name is um, Kenneth Eugene Smith. He was convicted in 1988 of a murder for hire. And uh, I think 22 minutes of torture before someone goes down uh, really outlines all the reasons why the death penalty is inhumane. Dexter King, the youngest son of Martin Luther King Jr., who died of prostate cancer, um, recently um, has been cremated according to his wishes, but there will still be a funeral in Atlanta, a memorial service there, um, details of that to come. It's, it's really a tragic, tragic situation. He was battling prostate cancer for three years, and um, now the family is figuring out how to keep the legacy uh, keep their organization going. Eric Tidwell, who's the general counsel for the King Estate, is going to take on the day-to-day -day operations of the organization, which is meant to protect the intellectual property, the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but Bernice uh, King, who's the CEO of the of the King Center, said that they will soon announce uh, a, a new board chairman to take over the position of Dexter King just um just overwhelming that the um tribute tribulations that that family has had to endure since the murder of their father Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, we've only got a minute and a half till news and traffic, so we're going to get Molly Bell in two acts. Good morning, Mar Molly Bell, straight out of Compton. Reparations in memory of our ancestors. So I got to finish in a minute and a half, or no? You have part one is a minute and a half, and part two is after. Oh. <laughs> All right, Dominique. I have to say that this week has been a very um, mixed week. You <laughs> brought in a uh, yeah. You brought in some guests that uh, have that had me to rethink some things, and uh, uh, that little young uh, girl Vasquez. Yeah, that's she's running for the tenth district, mm -hmm. and um, I liked her. I I, I really did, and uh, I and I'm and I'm and I just wondered 
after she knew all that the Latinos did and said about that were on city council, how they boycotted, because that's not my city. I'm not in the L.A. I'm in Compton. When <laughs> uh, 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 what all that they did, why didn't they? Uh, I, I don't know. Was she uncomfortable? Because she seemed. I mean, I liked her. I liked her answers and everything else. And then you, I think you did ask her about being a Latino taking over uh, a black district. How did you feel about her answer? Da-na-na-na. I'll share that after news, traffic, and sports, and we'll get part two of Molly Bell. All that straight ahead on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. At KBLA Talk 1580, we do more than just talk. You got a big mouth. Hello, Joe. You're up. Welcome. We're unapologetically progressive, and we don't black down. Molly Bell called me at 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580, and you can too. Um, Molly Bell was kind of summarizing the week that passed and uh, the conversation with Aura Vasquez. It's going to be confusing on the ballot, by the way, because you've got Aura Vasquez running for Council District 10, the seat that is currently occupied by a black woman, uh, Heather Hutt, and there's a bunch of other folks running as well. And then... Um, and for the assembly, you have Dulce Vasquez, uh, who we'll talk to uh, next week. They both have the last name Vasquez, but they're completely different uh, people. Out of Vasquez is a Colombian uh, immigrant who um, identifies as Afro-Latina. And you're asking me what I think of her? She seemed perfectly nice, well, um, well-rounded when it comes to environmental justice, um, you know, for me, the question is, well, first of all, it's hard because you don't have a voting track record. You have a person that tells you what they're going to do, but they've never been in elected office. So you have to guess based on their answers and based on their work in the community. And then the other thing is for me, and I, you know, elephant in the room, meet Dominique, Dominique, meet the <laughs> elephant in the room. Uh, she's Latina, even even though she identifies as Afro-Latina. When you look at her, when I look at her, I don't see black. Um, and even though she seems to be an ally uh, and an Afro-Latina by her own identif- identification, I would have trouble replacing a sitting African-American with any Latino elected unless that sitting African-American was problematic from a policy standpoint, i.e. a Clarence Thomas. You know what I mean? I would take... Um, you know, Julian Castro over Clarence Thomas eight days out of the week, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, of course, policy policy over party, partici- policy over race. But in, in this case where you have a competent sitting black woman, why would you vote out an untested, why would you vote her out for an untested um, person who's not black? Or, or who doesn't appear to be black. She she identifies as black, so I can't say a person who's not black. Okay, that that was a good answer because I I did not I well like I said I can't vote, but I'm just saying that as I listened to her, I I'm just saying that I remember when we as a people got our first black, and then. For me, and I, you know, I've always apologized for my vote for Clarence Thomas, <laughs> but uh, but back in the day, it, it, we were so glad. But anyway, that's all on that one. 
I also wanted to say, and you is with Netanyahu. Um, sometimes we gotta, we as a people, as a country, gotta decide, find a way that we could put, we could make allies and friends with a person. But Netanyahu is no better than Trump. In fact, he's just like Trump. He's about ready to go to. Um, uh, he's on, he's on on trial in his own country. And so I believe that all this was a setup, all this was planned between Gaza and uh, Israel. And so with Netanyahu, I just think that we need to just, I think Biden and and our Congress need to just say, well, we were your friend, your partner, but we just can't stay this way. And the other one, we, we didn't talk that much about Uvalde, um, uh, the, the report that came out from that. And uh, Dr. Molina, thank you, thank you. I got a lot of calls about that because a lot of people were listening. Thank you for bringing that up and letting Dr. Molina explain why Black Lives Matter, because just like we have a lot of reparation groups, there are a lot of Black Lives Matter. And some of them, just from what we heard that happened with uh, Dr. Molina, some of them just aren't right, and so we've got to look in that. And here's my final question. How come if Trump says that he's going to uh, be a dictator the first day and he's going to do retribution on all the people, do you think it would be right if we were to uh, tell uh, Biden, since you president now, why don't you do all the stuff that Trump said he wanted to do later on? <laughs> <laughs> get rid of everybody, all the people that are wronged and did everything wrong, and then maybe they can see how crazy that seems. Because I forgot who said it, but somebody said, we have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just common interests. And I haven't, I just remember that from uh, back in the day. And Miles, thank you for the word intentional. I, I like the way that he used that uh, the other day in talking to you. Dominique, you've had a great show, and uh, this week was just simply outstanding. Love Carrie Harper and everyone else. Listen, all you prayer warriors out there, you know what you've got to do. You've got to keep fasting. You've got to keep praying because the struggle continues. But always, to God be the glory. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you, Molly Bell. A lot of really great and interesting points. Um so this is just the beginning of us bringing every elected official that is running for office that we can convince to get on these airwaves to you so that you can figure out and discern for yourself. And if you missed the conversation with Aura Vasquez, if you missed the conversation with John McKinney or Jeff Chemerinsky, who are running for district attorney, they are available on our uh, app, which is free at the at the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can also get them on the KBLA 1580 website or wherever else you find pods because this is probably the easiest way to figure out who you're going to vote for. Listen to what they have to say. Um, and I will do my best to be fair and ask the hard questions as well as those that help us to get to know people a little better. We, and Molly Bell was referring to Black Lives Matter um, 
the hit piece that happened in a far right wing rag from the East Coast yesterday that really targeted Dr. Melina Abdullah, that uh, campaign um it's a I call it a campaign because this organization called the Global Network Foundation, the BLM Global Network Foundation, which was originally set up by police uh, by Patrice Cullors to create um, a holding a safe holding spot for all the money that people were donating during the height of the marching of Black Lives Matter, which added up to close to $100 million. When Patrice was bullied by the right wing media into stepping down, uh, the organization was left somewhat vulnerable in that transition. The board members that she intended to put in place to uh, steer that money to the 33 chapters and to support the boots on the ground work were pushed out by a uh, a greedy consultant who was a sole board member for some time. Then he got a couple of his cronies to be on the board with him, his high school friend and another person. And they actually seized control through a hostile takeover of all of that money and the social media platforms, leaving the activists that do the work every day um, without access to the millions of followers they had and without the dollars to uh, do the things that they had planned to do. Not only that, they bought a mansion in North Hollywood. Now they're trying to blame it on, uh, blame the purchase of that mansion on Black Lives Matter Grassroots, which is the real boots on the ground activist, which contains all 33 chapters. But the problem with that is ask who owns that house now. It's the Global Network Foundation. So if Grassroots bought it, why does the Global Network Foundation own it? They say, oh, well, they owned it while they were in control. But if you look at the governance, Grassroots was never in control of GNF, of, of the foundation where their dollars were. Patrice created it to hold that money. But when she stepped down from the organization under extreme uh, mental health duress based on the attacks on her in the media and in real life death threats and such, when she stepped down from that organization, it was left vulnerable because apparently the transition plan was not ironclad. And this guy, Shalomia Bowers, um, seized control of it. He is in control of that money. And by their own reporting, Global Network Foundation, their own reporting, their, their um, nonprofit disclosures, uh, financial statements, show that he paid himself over $2 million in 2020. And so that's why they say self-dealing. A Republican judge shut down the BLM grassroots lawsuit against those guys, not on the merits of the case, but it, through an anti-slap motion where uh, they uh, GNF alleged that Black Lives Matter grassroots was violating their free speech by not letting them raise money uh, using the good name of Black Lives Matter. So uh, that conversation is important. It is very confusing. And it's so interesting because if you look look back at the history of these right-wing attacks on uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, you will see that they were confused at first too. They were attacking the Global ne uh, Network Foundation and Black Lives Matter grassroots. But now they've got it figured out. They've got it figured out that they need to support these Basically, they're like shills for the moderate wing of the Democratic Party and also, um, you know, embezzlers who are using the uh, money 
donated by working people, by hardworking people who want justice in this country to enrich themselves. And so, allegedly. And so, um, it's important to understand that because the confusion is not an accident. The, uh, some of these far right wing, um, papers, uh, they do that on purpose. They know it's confusing, but it's not really confusing. Black Lives Matter grassroots, 33 chapters, the people that are actually doing the work. All you have to do is compare the two social media. One is everywhere with families who have been impacted, trying to um, help people, protesting, um, petitioning, putting forth a people's budget. The other one is saying, ask Joe Biden to forgive our student loans. Today is National Black People Day. And just a lot of, you know, really innocuous stuff that you would never normally hear from the real Black Lives Matter. That's one of the ways that you can tell the difference. The other is just tracking it and paying attention um, to what's going on. And of course, the third way is when you read something, consider the source. If it's coming from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, the we, the you know the Daily Standard, Fox News, and it has anything to do with Black Lives Matter um, or organizations that that deal with ending anti-blackness, you know they are going to be trying to undermine because that is their political perspective. We always have to consider the source. That's what media literacy is all about. It's a perfect time to call me, 809-20-1580. You are listening to KBLA Talk 1580, 40 acres and a mic. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, welcome back indeed. And speaking of considering the source, um, last time we had an election, uh, Twitter was owned by, uh, well, um, not Elon Musk, right? So this election is going to be different. Remember in 2020, whenever Trump or anyone would say something about election rigging or whatever, they would have, uh, they would have Twitter would attach a little notification to that tweet, um, with the real facts, right? Um, when, when, for example, uh, the, the example, the New York times makes when Trump said that the mail-in ballots are automatically rigged, which we know is BS, then there would be something attached to that tweet. The difference now is instead of debunking, uh, these various conspiracy theories, Elon Musk will retweet them and amplify them and so I think this is going to be a season, uh, it's already starting, when we have to be even more media literate. Elon Musk um, actually recently amplified a tweet that said, oh, mail-in voting is, is automatically rigged. So there's no more fact checks, there's no more flagging, now it's anything goes. And so if we thought disinformation and misinformation were problems in the 2024 election. It's about to be on steroids. And that means we have to be smarter about knowing where something comes from, why somebody's saying it, who it serves, and follow the money. Let's go to Tom calling us from Irvine. Good morning. Good morning, Dominique. Yes, I'd like to point out that these right-wing evangelicals and Catholics support the very method of punishment i.e. the death penalty that killed their Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, that's, and, that was kind of a deep sentence right there. 
I, yeah, I mean, so I, I suppose if they were all living in Jesus' day, that they would have supported his death. Well, maybe, I, I mean, that, that may be a stretch because they're going to say that, you know, they're, they're talking about career criminals and convicted felons, whatever, Why, you know. I, I, I'm just being people's advocate here. Maybe not. I don't, me personally, I think the death penalty is barbaric. It puts the United States in very bad company with few other um, so-called advanced nations that allow um, states to execute their citizens. I think it's, I think it should have been abolished. That said, I don't know if that's a fair characterization of, of Christians, Tom. Well, I mean, I don't know that they call themselves Christians. I don't know that they truly are. So what's your solution here? I mean, are you do you just called to point out that the, um, I guess, hypocrisy? hypocrisy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I would think that if, if, if your Savior was killed by the death penalty, then you would, in order to prevent that sort of thing from happening again, you would want to prevent, you'd want to abolish the method by which he was killed. I mean, I feel like I've told this story for people that have been listening a long time, but I feel like, um, you know, when my sister was murdered, uh, that her mom, Amina, and, and my dad chose not to seek the death penalty, even though, you know, all of us knew that if we met the guy in a dark alley, it might be a different outcome. Because if you don't support state-sanctioned executions, you can't support it in certain cases and not in others. I was really proud of my mom, my stepmom, and my, and my dad for staying true to their principles at the ultimate moment of duress, which is the murder of my sister, their child. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's my point, that they stayed true to their principles. Why can't right-wing, can, I mean, I guess because they don't have any, but why wouldn't right-wing evangelicals? Yeah, you, you just answered your own question. I mean, it's the same question of yeah. why why you don't want women to have the right to terminate a pregnancy or have agency over their own bodies, but and you say you're pro-life, but you won't support feeding uh, the kids who are here through the ta- child tax credit, uh, which expired and, and sent 4 million American children immediately back into hunger and, and poverty uh, just a little over a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, exactly. I've got nothing more to say to that. All right, Tom, appreciate you. That's the party of hypocrisy. <laughs> that's that's what that is. Um, and, and I don't know if, you know, that's, I think for most of them, I think it's just cynical. I'm going to say what I got to say to get where I got to get. Otherwise, a lot of those people wouldn't even be voting for Donald Trump because he, he embodies a lot of the, the type of corruption and, and sin and immorality that they say they stand against. Going to Q from L.A. Good morning, Q. Q, you with me? Yes, I'm with you, my dear sister. Uh, Van Ryzen. Um, just a quick commentary about the decision that took place at the uh, ICJ, at the UN, the condemnation of Israel and the complacency of uh, U.S. in um, generating this genocide against the Palestinians. Now, another question to you is this. I know most of, most of the decisions that are made by the uh, uh, UN are mostly ignored by um, Israel, 
of course, and the U.S. always support them. So in this case, what would be the um, right course to implement or to stop this genocide or this apartheid system that is uh, taking place against people? Now, why do we, con- con- uh, for the U.S., we consider ourselves to be... Uh, a Christian country, but yet so we keep on supporting atrocities against human beings. How how are we going to justify our Christianity? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it is a problem. The, the, the thing about it is now Israel is talking about how that in order to completely wipe out Hamas, they have to push right up to the border and into a so-called demilitarized zone between Egypt and Gaza. And Egypt is saying that if you do that, you got a problem with us, Egypt, which is a, is a, another very scary escalation here. Um, but Israel, I imagine they'll go ahead and do it because they're going to say they have to do that to fully root out Hamas. Egypt doesn't want it to happen because all those Palestinians that were already told to flee there by Israel for safety are going to probably rush into Egypt. So Egypt is saying, move those folks back north before you do this. And But it seems like Netanyahu's not listening to anyone. And for me, we as the U.S. should should use a little bit more of our leverage. We give you all this money and you don't even want to consider our opinion. I don't, you know, if if I'm gi- if I'm paying your rent, then you then I have some say so in your life. Yeah, but uh, they're not willing to. Recently, I was as recent as last week. Uh, of course, US is talking about two uh, state solution. Netanyahu um blankly said, "No, we're not." Yeah. Yep. You see, we have emboldened them to the point that, uh, are, you know, because they control this country, and you know, the design is they control the country. So they got to the point right now that they don't care. Well, people who hear America. you say that are going to say that you're being anti-Semitic to say Zionists control the country. No, I know I, you I, didn't I, say I, Jewish I, people, but still, I mean, who controls the country? It seems to be, you know, an oligarchy to me. Yeah, but I can, I, I'm a black man. I can never, never be anti-Semitic. Because the real Semitic people are black people, so I can never be anti. I mean, I've heard that I'm argument, but you, but Clarence Thomas is anti-black, so I, I don't know if that's a solid argument, Q. <laughs> Clarence Thomas is a, uh, you know, uh, nobody knows where he's coming from. You know, his mind is warped. Yeah, but uh, the, something has to be done. Yeah, we should stop supporting this uh, uh, this regime that is doing nothing but destroying human beings. All right, Q, we have to leave it there. It's time for the best to have a smiley. But call me again next week. I'm here every single day, and I'm uh, happy to talk with you. Tavis Smiley's highlights from the week are straight ahead. If you want to talk to me, hit me up on social media, KBLA 1580 on every platform, or DePrima Radio, if you want to talk to me personally. It's D-I-P-R-I-M-A and then radio. Please like, subscribe, comment, and all that good stuff. I'm quoting Kwame Nkrumah uh, today. One of my favorite quotes, he says, forward ever, backward never. I'm Dominique DePrima. History is now, and we are making it together until Monday. One love. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica. I'm Mike Moore. Here's the latest from the Black Information.